Jeopardize your health. Am I forgiven, Father? Oh, absolutely. This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Podcast Under the Stairs. This is Basaween 2019. We're here at episode number three. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. That's right, episode number three. We're just kind of crossing the halfway mark of this series and then we're done and it goes back off into the sunset like a sexy lone gunman drifting off down somewhere along the prairie I don't know what I'm quoting here. I'm not very good with these movies. Just stick to horror. Always stick to horror. Um, yeah, 
I can't believe we're at the halfway mark and I can't believe that we're finally getting around to talk about a movie which has been a long time coming. There is a big story behind this which we will get to uh, once I've introduced the guest. The star of this particular show, he's back again to, uh, I was going to say pajazzle uh, or bajazzle or bedazzle. One of the three, I don't know, bazazzle? <laughs> Who knows? He's a man, he's a man, he's a legend, he's a baz. Hola, my sexy little 60s Satan shagging succubuses. That's a lot of S's. Pow. Good job you get that pop shield up there, sir. Pow. That's just kept the spittle <laughs> off the microphone. Pow. Pow. Uh, yeah, how you doing? I'm doing alright, although it's practically the middle of the night and I've been going at it since God knows what time this morning. Yeah, we are. We're so in contrast to the previous recording, which was about lunchtime. Yeah. Sexy lunchtime recording. We've, we've opted for kind of later at night, uh, close to the witching hour. And, um, and I had to drive to your new house as well. Yeah. Uh, it's because we're not doing it over Skype. Yes. Um, and this is not Bonnie Bridge. No. Never sold you this house live. This is closer to Aberdeen than it is to Bonnie Bridge. <laughs> do, do you like the, the, the landing strip of lights outside the house, which I still don't really know how to control? <laughs> My, fav- my favourite bit's the old uh, rape alley, which you have to drive down to get here. That's yeah. quite good. Right under the bridge. Oh, yeah. 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 We should try and get deliveries up there. The low clearance at both sides means <laughs> that anyone that wants to deliver anything in a van has to travel down narrow country roads and a round trip, which takes half an hour. So, and that happened when we moved in here. Not that anyone needs to know this, but I suppose that This is good talk. horror podcasting. When we moved in here, like the first weekend, we had loads of like things arriving. Yeah, we yeah. owned nothing. So yeah, yeah. it was like fridges and all this had to be delivered. And everything at the schedule point took about 45 minutes longer to arrive because they arrived at the bridge, which I would have thought they're sat nav and they told them they couldn't drive up, and then had to back out and then half an hour round trip through precarious roads to get down here. <laughs> And the thing is, when the delivery guys got here, you can tell that they were wired to fuck. Whatever Red Bull they consumed had ran out about halfway through it and they were just going on sheer adrenaline. Were they just dumping all your shit in the garden? There's your fucking (laughs) fridge, you prick. Oh, like that, eh? One of them said, you should put a sign up. Uh, yeah, because you're the only guy that lives in this whole estate. But thinking, like, and you're gonna read, you're gonna read that saying you clearly didn't read the sat nav that said don't don't come out this way. You're gonna read that little sign that says for deliveries make the half an hour road trip. <laughs> Arsehole. Anyway, anyway, uh, we we are already two movies deep. They are son of a bitch, and uh, we're finally moving on to. I said this one has a long story. Are you aware of its heritage? In yeah, terms of Baz v Horror. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, I think I'm right in saying that this film won a, a kind of reader's vote or a competition. Yep. It was the Painted Man Horse uh, yeah. Trophy Wife, you did, you, Rachel Blockley, yeah. suggested this, and I was dead keen to do it, and for some reason we just never did. Do you know what year she, she suggested it? Um, no. 2014. <laughs> <laughs> I went back I went back and did a bit of research oh then. the Baz always delivers <laughs> I went back to check it out see if I could find it exactly where it was and I started tracking back shows for specific <laughs> things to do with yeah and it was um, if memory serves it was off the back of the Videodrome episode um, which is that is, not like the fifth one that I yeah, did yeah it was way 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 way, way back hell. and what we basically said is we would get through the remaining 
the first year of yeah, that yeah, snow Yeah, because you kind of planned out. Uh, but then we would move in, we would do it in 2015. So it was suggested 2014, we aim to do it 2015. 2019. Our send off. Yes, it's when we finally get around to do it. <laughs> after you have come out of retirement to do it. So, um, yeah, this one's for you, Rachel. I don't think you're listening anymore, but I know Andy does. This one's for Rachel, Andy. You can tell that we never forgot. Well, <laughs> we did forget, and it's by happenstance we've come back to do it. That's it. But That's we're doing uh, Rosemary's Baby on this one. Now, this one is, for all intents and purposes, a very, very important horror movie. And what is really interesting about it is... You're you've... guaranteed to get riding in it because it's about a baby. <laughs> well, there's that. And what that Rosemary's baby that she might have just called her her bull her baby for all you know. Bay. Yeah, you might have thought of that before. It would have been doing another fucking film. <laughs> Rosemary's Bay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Rosemary's to- Bay. That's a totally different movie. <laughs> One that I want to see. Uh, but yeah, there's um, there's this movie is the one that kind of it's, it's like super important, and um, and that it takes the, the, Satan. And the devil had been used in quite a lot of movies before, but it was done kind of cheesily. And Rosemary's Baby is the first movie, regardless of how you think it's aged, but it's the first movie that actually, like, modernises it. And not only modernises it, this movie is, like, it, you know, it's talking about Satan, it's talking about, like, your, it, I mean, there's a bit of McCarthyism in there to do with, you know, um, what are your neighbours doing? You know, you're at that, that sort of level. Red's of, under the bed that level uh, but there's also a bit of um, like kind of social commentary on gentrification as well so there's tons of things you didn't get this sort of stuff in horror movies horror movies where I am Dracula uh, uh, you know it's that sort of thing you didn't get this sort of stuff this kind of preempts the move from supernatural horror and to an extent off the back of something like Psycho which is like no killers are people mm-hmm. And this starts to pivot it to, like, you don't know who you're living beside, you don't know what the fuck they're up to, and it really kind of grims it. And off the back of this, the way we deal with kind of Satanism in movies, the way we deal, the thing that kept running through my head is, you've seen Hereditary. Yes. Fucking ending's pretty much picked right from it. Rosemary's Baby. So practically the same ending, even down to the chant at the end. So. Do you want me to shit all over this? Oh, yes, go for it. Do you know what I've been thinking of? What the whole time, what's been in my mind? What? Ginger pubes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you for why. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, like, of the... I'll be honest with you, see when you said it, right? Yeah. I had the whole, there's always sunny, there's always something, like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, the kind of, the many red strings tied up with all the different yeah. pictures and things. And about a million horror movies as yeah. Polaroids with loads of things thinking we could go anyway. I did not anticipate ginger pubes. Well, here's for why. I veered off when you mentioned McCarthyism. <laughs> and here's the train I thought. Uh-huh. Right? Red's under the bed, which yeah. I said. Right? <laughs> Red under the belt. I'm going to make a joke about ginger fannies. <laughs> then I couldn't couldn't think of one quick enough. Then I started to think it's been too late now. If you make this joke now, nobody's <laughs> going to get it. So then I just start thinking about ginger vagines. And I only came back in when you said what's been running through my mind. And I was like, well, you've never fucking guessed what's been running through mine. 
I think that my statement was articulate. It was very well thought out. I had discussion points in the through line and you had belittled it. You've come in like a wrecking ball yep. and just ruined it. Oh, arse raped it. <laughs> if that mic wasn't bolted to that desk, I'd be dropping it right now. Rotting the F out this room. <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> but the, but the, I was thinking about like all these... There's God knows how many... Like every movie that deals with kind of modern Satanism is basically ripping off Rosemary's Baby and that's what makes it exciting. But as we found out with pretty much every Baz V horror that we've ever done, you tend to like modern versions of things. Yes. And that's what I'm kind of interested to find out. This is a case of, well, yeah, I, I kind of see what they did there, but the modern way of doing it is better. And we won't know until we get to the review. Now, because we're not doing the what horror movies you've been watching before, um, what we could probably do, I think it's fair to say, um, is do a quick five minutes on Ready or Not. I'm yes. going to be talking about it a bit more when I do my recap in my first 10 days um, of the 31 of October, which will have dropped before this episode, so people will be hearing me go back over it. But from your position, we did a live stream video and all yep. the rest. You've had a couple of days to think about it. Yeah, and I was basically asleep when you did that live video as well because I was tired AF in that car of yours. Um, without spoiling, yep. even though there is a, a weird through line as well in that one, there was many baby, um, which we'll just hold back. But uh, without, without going into like spoiler spoilery details and stuff like that, and thinking on it, are you still in the same position as where you were, kind of post viewing that? Personally, you felt that it didn't, it didn't all work the way a movie like that probably should work. Um, not necessarily. Uh, like I said in the, in the, the post-watching video that we did, it, it's a film that stretches believability about as far as you can stretch it. Oh yeah, yeah. And I don't think anybody's going to argue about that, but I don't think they set out to argue the point that this is a feasible kind of film to watch, do you uh-huh. know what I mean? Um, and I, I, I think they did it pretty well, actually. The more I look back, I, I was really fucking tired that night and I would like to sit and watch it. I was I'm starting to lose my concentration mm-hmm. and all that towards the end of the film and I, I probably will, I think, but it, if it land, it looks like a film that will kind of land on Netflix or something like that. Oh, I can see it popping up in that and a streaming service within the next 12 months. I will probably check it out again. Both my daughter um, and my friend Stuart who listens to the show now, him and his wife, I was up seeing them tonight and they were asking about it because they were in seeing it oh, nice. when we were and seeing Ready or Not and they were all asking me you know what I think and I've told them all well go and check it out it's it's definitely worth going to see Um, and yeah when I'm thinking back to the film I'm thinking back enjoyably I'm Mm. not going oh that was fucking stupid what a waste of a night kind of thing do you know what I mean glad I went to see it it's not the greatest film it's not a scary horror film elements of humour in it are done very well Gore's done really well. Mm-hmm. It's a daft... It's a daft kind of take on a home invasion to an extent in that it's somebody trapped in a house. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... Yeah. Obviously it's not a home invasion because they don't break in kind of thing. But it's, it's a similar feeling. Funny enough, you mentioned your next. Yeah, that's what came running through my head. It's kind of like... It's kind of like this... 
on some level, and I'm not giving too much away. It's kind of like a supernatural your next, yes, to an extent. Um, and I think your next is the much better film. But that being said, even like I, the same as you, I woke up and I actually even some of the things that gave me a, a bit of a kind of uh, I could only really concentrate on the good aspects of the movie, which usually means that. You know, the next time I watch it, I'll enjoy it. A lot yeah, more. yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm waking up and all I'm focusing on is negative aspects, the next time I sit down, that's the thing I'm looking for again. Right? What was it that I didn't like about the movie? Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm thinking back over something fondly, then there's a good chance I'm going to enjoy it more the next time. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing uh, that I wanted to just swing out to you is. Off the back of these particular recordings, we are doing older horror. Yes. Which we know is not your forty. Yes. Given the fact that I don't know where you're going to land with Rosemary's Baby, but also given the fact that we now, for the most part, have covered older horror movies that we're yet to find one that you actively disliked. Mm-hmm. Is your opinion on older horror movies changing, do you think? Because it used to be very much where you were that, listen, the effects aren't going to be good, this isn't going to be great, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll be kind of bored watching it. Or are you now finding that certain movies that have the classic moniker attached to them are actual classics for a reason? I think I'm more accepting of their failings. Oh. I certainly found this with Carrie. Mm. Um, and actually, it appears the fourth wall for a wee minute or two. I listened to the, the our carry episode this morning. Yep. Um, and I remember we were talking about. Obviously, I've not seen the, the, the very modern remake, the one with Chloe Grace Moretz in it. I would imagine that the culminating scenes at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. I can imagine with today's effects, they're absolutely amazing. The effects aren't great. No. At the end of Carrie, no, no, no. it's a very old film. Mm-hmm. As you said, it's more about the the sort of containment mm-hmm. element. You know, it's all these school kids and they're locked in and burnt to death in this thing. To me, it was the build up to it. Yeah. Um, and I said that then, Carrie's a really good film. It's a really enjoyable film to watch, and I find that I can look past. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Maybe some of the failings and, and, and effects and stuff like that. Weirdly, films like I Spit on Your Grave, which we did at Halloween a few years ago, yep. I probably struggle harder with them, mm-hmm. which is a film that has no effects in it. It's, you know, it's not, well, there, there may be some gore yeah, effects later on, but not to the extent of something like Carrie, mm-hmm. where there's huge supernatural events taking place on screen. And I probably wouldn't really go back and watch I Spit in Your Grave. And that's not necessarily to do with the, the kind of rape content in it. It's just a film I probably wouldn't bother checking out again anytime soon. Whereas yeah. I would watch Carrie again mm-hmm. quite happily, you know, if my daughter or something mentioned it, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so I didn't watch it again, no bother. Um, yeah, I think my opinion probably is changing. I did struggle a little bit with Psycho, but it is a very old film. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's black and white. Well, that's the big thing, isn't um, it? Yeah. But I, I do, one of the abiding memories, and we talked about it in, in the episode, um, I just thought Perkins was fantastic. Mm-hmm. All the way through that film, um, to the point that, you know, a, a performance like that nowadays... 
yeah. went by an eye like that and that was 50 odd years ago or however friggin old yeah, side yeah. was do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. so yeah I think it probably is is changing I, what I do think I still have is though I, I don't have that revulsion at the remakes yeah. which are, I never had you know I, yeah. I liked the, the Friday the 13th yep. one like the first of the Halloween ones mm-hmm. you know um I'm not necessarily saying nowadays that they're better than the originals, but I don't have that as a shit, you can only watch the original. I still yeah. think the Evil Dead remake's far better than the original, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I, the thing is, with time on that one, I think they're two very different movies, mm-hmm. like very, very, very different movies. Um, I think that's maybe what aids the remake. Yeah. I think if you try and make that 80s one in... 2013, 2014, try and make it exactly like that. I don't think it works. It's one of the reasons why the Maniac remake for me works so well because they're like, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to move it to a completely different city. Um, we're going to, instead of picking someone who is a kind of greasy, horrible looking guy and uh, Joe Spinell, what we'll do is we'll change that out and we'll put in Elijah Wood because he's a nice looking guy. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to use modern tech, we're going to do POV pretty much mm-hmm. all the way through the movie. So they're changing enough in it yeah. that to me is meriting a new spin on something. Mm-hmm. If it had just been, oh, I'm a oh, creepy guy and you know, I'm out there and I'm too. Why would you bother? But what's, it, what's the point? It's why I don't like short for short remakes. Yeah. You're, you're speaking about Psycho. That Psycho remake is a complete waste of time from mm-hmm. start to finish. Um, and you get that when you watch it. You like that. No one is no one is acting better here than that original movie. Yeah. Um, and all we're, really, we're recreating exactly the same shots with exactly the same dialogue, which was okay in the 60s. But it's not okay. People don't again. talk like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's, well, I was completely done that, and you, I was. And when you're watching it like that, what is the purpose of this remake other than it's in colour? Yeah. And you get to that point where I, you, you struggle. So I, I think you're. There is an aspect to that. You, I mean, that's one thing I'll give to something like Friday the Thirteenth as a remake. The lot of that, right? We don't need to do the whole origin story and all the rest. No. We're going to conflate Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, Jason, all this stuff, he's going to get the mask in the first movie, he's yeah. going to bet it. So they condense three movies essentially into one movie and kick it out. I give it credit for that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think remaking that first movie, Mrs. Voorhees and all the rest, I don't think it can do that post. No, because if you try to make a Friday the 13th movie nowadays without Jason in it, it folk are going to kick up. Right, you know, nobody's going to go and watch that film. Yeah. But then it works another way as well, because you can try and change things, you can try and be, um, quotation marks, clever, like Nightmare on Elm Street, and add this whole, well, is he innocent? Is yeah, he innocent? Sort yeah. of that. And you put that in the movie as a new spin on things, and what does it do? Fucking ruins it, mm. you know what I mean? So, you're, I don't know, it's very difficult. That's why I'm like that, just do your own thing. Just make yeah, your own movie. Totally. If you've got the chance, if you've got the money, just make your own thing. This whole fucking obsession with remaking shit nowadays is just yeah. driving me to me. Yeah. Interestingly, just off the back of the, what you were talking about there as well, what I have noticed, um, particularly on Amazon Prime in the UK, I've been checking out older films. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they're great, but I am enjoying watching them. Um, Amazon seem to have got a lot of the old kind of slashery type films up. Right. A lot of the kind of Arrow stuffs appearing on there at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Um, what was one? It was it Slumber Party Massacre I watched. <laughs> did you watch Slumber Party Massacre? Yeah. Did, did Scott and Liam do that a few months I ago? Think so, a while yeah. back? Yeah, it was that one. 
it's daft as fuck. Yeah. Uh, do you know what, actually, yeah, I quite enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Probably not going to go back and watch it anytime no. soon, but so I have been checking out stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think my opinion is definitely changing. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily always think they're great, but I do feel like I can urge to watch these things. Yeah. Whereas before I wouldn't have. You wouldn't watch them. No, I'd have been like, I want to watch Cabin in the Woods 4. Yeah. Or something like that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, with that in mind. Turn 19. Well, well, you know. Oh, I don't. Yeah, Just I'll don't mention one. it. I'll do a new one. I know. Don't know if you know this, Baz, but that. Doing a new one. And there's, there's like actual proper. I think it's like towards A list cast members going to be it. And that's a bit that confuses me. Like the director's done proper stuff and I think the leading lady has been in things that are of note. So that's the thing I don't understand. Why are we doing that? Why would it, Who thought this was a good idea? And I read the story and it sounds like a continuation. It's not a reboot. It's a continuation of the story. Is it a continuation of the kind of first no. three or the last three? Well, it's, it's, they, they find some a kind of the remnants of a, a group of um, civil war civil war family who were on the wrong side who have made an encampment of a kind of closed community in the Appalachian Mountains oh god damn it well you know interestingly <clears throat> so again wild tangent nothing to David Rosemary's baby we have the last one the one that you can't even get now because they put some is that, is that the one that were, they were in the hotel yeah Yes, it was really bad. Yeah, I mean, that was hellish. <laughs> Remember there was B Roxanne Pallet was in it though, who was yeah. a, an actress in Emmerdale in yes. this country. And she got ridden all roads in it. Yes. Well, quite interestingly, she appeared in one of the last seasons of Celebrity Big Brother in this country. You know how it's on channel fucking nine now or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um <clears throat> Do you know that what happened to her? No. Unless you told me you no. Know, she, she basically, she there was another, I think, a soap actor, or a guy in it, and something happened. There was a big argument, and she accused him of punching her, like actually hitting her. So then the people that run the Big Brother fucking house got out all the tapes, and you can plainly see that the guy does not hit her at all, doesn't lay a fucking finger on her. She just overstepped the mark and somehow forgot... That everything you're doing is being filmed, so it's not hard to catch you out, kind of thing. And she stuck to the story for a wee while before she was eventually forced to come in. She got kicked out, but she became like persona non grata mm. in this country now. I don't know if she then went to the states or whatever, but anyway. But basically, my whole point is you could probably get her in part seven and get her doing like actual anal on screen because I'm fairly sure she would do bunging anything. To get back into acting now, do you know what I mean? It's a different sort of getting punched. Yeah, let, let's just do <laughs> wrong turn up the wronging or something like that and just give me Roxanne in there. A fucking great day on her, you know what I mean? <laughs> Big black dude just dressed as Scooby Doo. Fucking <laughs> the sphincter right here. Let's make this happen, Roxanne, if you're listening, hen. Buzz <laughs> will be your agent. <laughs> from, from I don't know how you pivot from that to be honest with you yeah. so what I'm going to say is we're going to take a break let's <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of here um, you're going to hear promos for shows that I love you're going to hear a bit of music curated by this man the Baz um, and then you're going to hear the trailer for our feature movie review of this third episode 
of Bazarine 2019. We are doing a Roman Polanski's classic Rosemary's Baby. I am actually, now that I've just said Roman Polanski, I'm dreading if you're not sort of fully Polanski comments. I'm not that type of guy, don't I'm not the type of guy. You've got a wry to... smile on your face, you son of a bitch. Right, we're going to take this short break anyway. When we come back, we're going to be discussing the movie and we're going to be doing it right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? <laughs> we got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Let us purify ourselves, my brothers. Anoint your eyes, your mouths, and your foreheads. Triple six digits, religion where sacrifice pigeons fidget Was created by ancient midgets My kamikaze cronies, listen to Ozzy over Rick Ross chords During quasi-religious ceremonies I see what the owl see, curse you into paralysis Drinking blood from the chalice with Alistair Crowley I feel no guilt for the blood that got spilt Fuck thou shall not kill, do what thou wilt Scheming on Rosemary's baby in the witch's shrine My cult will leave you shocked like Polanski in 69 Introduce you to hallucinogenic narcotics Baiting you with females rocking psychedelic bell-bottoms Fu Manchu in effect, bending spoons like Yuri Geller Then I'll sharpen the ends and juke you in the neck 67 stab wounds in the Labiancas Allows you to sip droplets from the goblets of pompous conquerors Table and dagger, author of death, virgins with big breasts Sources of morbid thoughts, nuns, indulgent in incest Bring me the goat, manipulating women on dope Kidnap the Pope, hang from the rope but stabbed in the throat I spill your blood in the name of Satan to capture your soul Author of sacrifice, use the Bible to bash in your skull Master within your cult, authors of madness Step into my chapel, the ghouls My collection of scalpels and tools Are used for ritualistic and sadistic 
your purposes Ceremonial death, serving the ancient verses Pazuzu possesses a system masturbating in the monastery She used the crucifix to pop a cherry Perverted priests flirt with the deceased The black masses achieved Shadowy figures joyfully dance for the beast Hunger for human flesh and sex, the cannibals feast Head of the jackal, six-figured hand is complete Twenty hits in the room melts, get those with the black acid Kidnapping your wife, tapes, suppositories and plastic Candle smashed in areolas, cold as a bastard Torn from a casket, human flesh gets scorned to ashes Pray to Satan like Jimmy Page, takes your stage of blood Covered to followers Bloods led by Miss Sadie Glove Cielo Drive from up in the hills Californication and pills Triple six are craved in your fucking gills We feel wifey, made to eat the whole cake Worship a ghost steak, puncture the throat like chunks of cocaine Lunch in the crate, get cut in the stumps in the first day The surge in the hate, I'm licensed, keep my nurses on K I'm the vap in the vape, walking in with dust in the J Hella waits, pussy, podium molest your remains I'm like Brian Wilson, a genius with a stain of crimson Original, delusional, goons removed through the system Enter the master witch, Dr. Evil Emperor my chance will anoint the dead and poison heads the brainwashing champ I envision baptism with satanic mechanisms See each exorcism leads to deep flesh incisions My system of worship features bitches in skirts I strip and purify my prey before they viciously murk We're known to impregnate and corrupt the average slut Stab a gut to quickly sip the miscarriage from cup Hide the leader of ascension along with evil henchmen Puking down your throat because your soul needed cleansing Blood painted pentagrams engulfed by flames Charcoal chunks of frames we feast on monkey brains Calmly cut you down your spine, then we're chugging blood and wine Choking, suffocate with twine, the fucking suffering's divine While I tranquilize the needles, getting stuck up in your arm Sacrificial animals get abducted from the farm Just heard the trailer for our feature movie review 
of this Vaseline 2019 episode number three is Rosemary's Baby from 1968. This is the second of Polanski's Apartment Trilogy. Uh, the first one being Repulsion and the last one being The Tenant in which she actually stars in that. Tenant's brilliant. Repulsion, brilliant. It's a great fucking trilogy. Um, but this is a pivot point. A lot of people will come back and say that Rosemary's Baby is the best of the three. Hard to argue that. Uh, although Baz may argue, even though he's not seen the other two. We never know. I never know where you're going to go with this one. Loose can. He is a loose can on. Uh, right. This movie, way back in the day, won an Oscar. So there we go. Call For what? Let's find out. Uh, should have checked that. Uh, it won Best Actress in a Supporting Role in the 1969 Oscars. And that would be... No, that's in the leading role. Best Actress in the... For Ruth Gordon. Surprise, surprise. She's fucking brilliant in it as well. The wee old wifey that lives next door. Seriously? Ah, she won. What do you mean seriously? She won Best Supporting She's like act. a caricature of somebody from New York. That's probably why she won. This is 1969 we're talking about here. Not a lot was happening. Fair enough. Right? You know what I mean? We just put a man on the moon. Uh, this is directed by Roman Polanski based on the Ira, Ira Levin novel. Um, the movie itself has a great cast. Because I'm using my phone, I can't find the cast quickly. But here we go. We'll press the button. Uh, we have Mia Farrow, uh, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Morris Evans, Ralph Bellamy, Victoria Vectri, Patsy Kelly, Elijah Cook Jr., uh, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin's in this movie. Do you know I've never clocked that? Who, who's Charles Grodin? Dude, I will fucking spit on you. <laughs> Don't you ever come into my house and ask you Charles... That just makes me fucking horny. <laughs> Charles Grodin. It's like... For fuck's sake, app. Charles Grodin. One of the greatest... Dr. Hill. Yeah, but one of the greatest comedic actors of our time. Charles Grodin. Midnight Run. What? Midnight Run. What's Midnight Run? Right, get out of my house. This, this recording is... This is the last year we're going to hear the buzz. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, that's the one about the big guy that gets caught smuggling the drugs in Turkey. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually about smuggling Scott you never seen Midnight Run? no um, it's a comedy starring Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin from like the 80s maybe one of the greatest comedies Charles who? <laughs> don't kill him don't oh kill him. it's sweezy uh, it's got Hannah Landy and Phil Lead let's jump to the synopsis for this fucking piece of shit um, Charles Grodin's in this movie does anyone else know that? Is that just me that's just... How did I not know that? It must have been dead enough. If you don't let me spurt forth this review <laughs> in the next 15 seconds, it's going to go off in my trousers. If you don't know me <laughs> by now... Uh, right, so... Uh, the synopsis for this one is A young couple moves into an apartment only to be surrounded by peculiar neighbours and occurrences. When the wife becomes mysteriously pregnant like that, uh, paranoia over the safety of her unborn child begins to control <laughs> her life. I know what you're thinking, woman. Eh? Oh. That's <laughs> a joke. Hashtag me and all. <laughs> Hashtag me and all. Um, Baz, yes. this is a very famous movie. Very, yes. very famous. Um, 
I kind of love it. I think it's, I think it's like, this is a five star movie to me. I know I say that a lot, but yeah. this is a five star movie to me. I have, some people that I kind of have respect, to be honest, I'm losing respect of them recently, uh, have posted online to say that this movie is boring and it's not very good and fuck these people. I'm just giving you that as a, a warning. Be careful where you trade on this review. This is a fucking, this is sacred. This is holy ground you're on. This is like Highlander. It's nice to see that you brought your big box of tissues as well. Because <laughs> you'll either be mopping up tears or semen. <laughs> this big man. Could go either way. Right. Give me it. Come on. Give me the review. Oh, no. Give me the review. What did you make of Rosemary's Baby? Rosemary's Baby. Right. First off, I will freely admit... <laughs> This film was not about what I thought it was about. That's really you wait until I took a mouthful. Oh, and this this isn't me, I'm not saying this for a joke. I had I think I had this confused with Sophie's choice. Oh for fuck's <laughs> sake, Baz. And you know, I've not seen that well, I've obviously seen Rosemary's baby now, but before this, I hadn't seen either of them. I still don't know what fucking Sophie's choice was. Um but there's no choosing in this film of any sort. No. So it's not that. It, it's oh, no, there is right the, We'll get to it. Right at the very, very end. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. To make a choice. Fair enough. So no, it's fair to say I, I know fuck all about Rosemary's <laughs> baby. Um, but do you, would you like to know an interesting fact about uh, Rosemary's baby? If the interesting fact is Charles Grodin plays Dr. Hillary, I've just found that out Okay, no. Mind fucking blown. This relates to our lead actress, Mia Farrow. Yes. Uh, this film destroyed Mia Farrow's life. Alright. Because after <laughs> filming this, you're half smiling. <laughs> you're half smiling. So this is not a fact. This is a this is a bad made up thing to. This is completely true. She became so frightened of having children, she decided to adopt. That did not end well for Maya Farrow. No doubt we'll talk about that a a lot more later on. It's getting warm in here. It opens with an aerial shot of NYC. New York, New York, so good they named it twice. Right, I love you, Big Apple. I'm hopefully going to be back over there sometime when I paid off this house. I've uh, <laughs> never been. My wife has still not forgiven me for not taking her there that last time we were in Massachusetts. You should go and I don't visit like holidays. Patrick. I don't like holidays. Visit Patrick. I am not going over there to have my marriage destroyed by that randy little sodomite. <laughs> <laughs> you know what'll happen, Patrick. It'll happen one day. Um, yeah, so it opens by a, an aerial shot, swooping aerial shots in New York City, and a very iconic score. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it seemed iconic to me. I'd never fucking heard it before, but um, <laughs> it ends on this huge townhouse building. It's interesting you talk about this apartment trilogy. I wasn't aware that was a thing, yeah. but obviously the whole thing is, or the vast majority of it is focused in this apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young couple, not as young as you'd probably think in a film by Roman Polanski, but they're youngish. Um, <laughs> oh, this is the one that's going to see you in court, so. 
Um, they're being shown round an apartment by a letting agent. The guy, who is called Guy. So I've, I've written here the guy, and then in brackets after it, Guy with a capital G. Look, I've actually done that there. Let's see. This is great audio podcasting, but there, Duncan will now verify that I actually wrote that. He's an actor. Um, the girl is called Rosemary, mm-hmm. and uh, she will go on later in life to be fucked by Woody Allen. Oh, God, please. In many different ways. <laughs> See, when I realised that's who this actress was. Did you not know? No, oh, no. Fuck. No, and I kept thinking, it was like, she looks vaguely familiar, yeah. but I couldn't think what it's from. Um, and then, and then, oh, it was like the gift that kept on giving when I realised that was her. Oh, God damn it. Not enough that we've got Polanski to ridicule here. <laughs> now, we've, now we've got this. We've got Woody Allen to ridicule. That, uh, so they've been shown in this apartment complex. They're looking to rent, as is the... Oh, it's New York, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, everybody, everybody fucking rents because nobody can afford fucking... Mm. Uh, they get into a lift with a, oh, a completely non-stereotypical African-American lift attendant. <laughs> um, can I do this review? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just before they go up in the lift, he glances round rather furtively. Yeah, right. If you ever picked up that, I'm assuming it's just to ensure there's no clan activity nearby. Um, and during this lift ride, they reveal that they plan to have children. Uh, oh, no. Probably a decision Maya Farrow went on to regret in later life. <laughs> not even just during this. Not even just during the filming of this one. Here's, a, here's an interesting complete tangent that is far less offensive than everything I've, I've, I've been saying up until now. Uh, do you know the last... This is going to end us. This is, the one, this is like a classic beloved movie. And I picked it and I was like, I'm interested in hearing Bazzi's thoughts on gentrification, etc. And uh, not, not one point did I realise that there are a couple of dark alleys in this movie that we could go down oh, yeah. have a strip from the airwaves. This is the one that's oh, going to ruin it, isn't it? Some dark, dark holes in this film, Duncan. Do you know, here's my tangent, do you know that as late as like the, the mid to late 90s, there was still a building in Glasgow that had a lift attendant? I did not know that. Yeah, honestly, down near the Brumalaw, which is the road that runs along the Clyde side, you know the little streets that go down towards the Brumalaw? Mm-hmm. Like round the back of Central Station? And there was one Robertson Street, and there was one of the big buildings in there. There was a, a, an old fella in there would make Masonic regalia. Yep. And I used to go in to get some of my stuff off him. And that had one of those old wire cage lifts. Yep. And there was this odd wee JK guy who lived in... Well, didn't live in the lift, but he worked in the lift. And he would either be mopping the hall, smoking, or op- operating the lift. And I, I always remember thinking, mate, how many folk actually use this fucking mm. lift in a day? Can't be more than a dozen. You have the life of fucking Riley, sir. <laughs> Honestly. Here's me building intricate databases for the NHS, saving lives every second, every day, and I, right now, I'm pining to be you. Yeah. Homeless man with a mop. Because I smoked like a motherfucker in those days. <laughs> I used to have to come out of my office and be doing it in the street like a fucking peasant to smoke. <laughs> and he just smoked in his wee lift. So I made a metal, nothing to go on fire. <laughs> fucking brilliant. 
It's kind of, I would imagine, as soon as that smoking ban came in, I thought, he's out of job. Fuck, I probably would look dead of cancer long before <laughs> that, mate. You can see it oozing at him. Probably still on the lift. Pro- probably I. <laughs> Yeah, where are we? Where are we? Rosemary gets fucked by Woody Allen. Clan activity in the lift. Oh, aye, right, so they get up to the floor where the apartment is. Mm-hmm. A handyman yep. is nearby, drilling a glory hole in a door. And I've just written here, cool, and I've used a wee emoji, the one with the glasses, look. <laughs> Who knew they had fucking glory holes in the 60s? Brilliant. That's rich people in New York for you, they'd fuck anything. <laughs> ah. I am stone cold sober the night, folks. I need to drive home after this. I've had one cup of Duncan's mental Americano coffee, yeah. and that crinkling here is my little plastic bottle of water. Yeah, Duncan's coffee is yep. strong. I, mean, oh. I watered it down, but that, that coffee will keep you that. That'll yeah. keep you awake for a few days. And so I should I should sleep. not have done all that ketamine in the car either, because <laughs> that's just no I'm deep in the K-hole. <laughs> deep deep down in the K-hole. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking about for fucking glory holes now. <laughs> not in this house, bad. No, this no. House. Should have brought my drill. <laughs> um So anyway, back to the apartment. The previous tenants passed away uh, after being in a coma for a length of time. Uh, while we're wandering about this, because the apartment is basically still full of all her possessions, mm-hmm. um, and Rosemary, I only noticed this in my second watch actually, she finds a letter that begins with the words, I can no longer associate myself. Mm-hmm. thought that was quite interesting for what transpires later on. Yeah. Um, the letting agent notices a large piece of furniture has been moved to hide a cupboard. They move it back. It contains a hoover. And I've just written here, massive anti-climax. <laughs> what I did notice here then, on a slightly more serious note, the, the, those opening couple of shots in the apartment building, there's some really odd camera work. Mm-hmm. See, I think he set somebody up like a kind of handheld. It's as if somebody's walking about with a handheld camera and they kind of almost bump in to like the actors and stuff like that. I'm assuming it's quite a big, and the reason I noticed, I noticed it in my first watch, because I felt kind of irritated and annoyed by it, mm-hmm. which was quite good. You could almost feel like you were in this kind of narrow hallway and you're like, you're my fucking road. Yeah. It was very it's, well there's, done. There's a bit of, I mean, when this movie was filmed, um, Kubrick hadn't really, Kubrick hadn't started doing things to do with Steadicam and whatnot, but like, one of the reasons I love Polanski as much as I do, his films as much as I do, is a lot to do with the fact that he's he a proper auteur of cinema. Mm-hmm. And all those things are done for effect. It's to give you the idea of New York is, by the way, New York is crammed with fucking yeah, people. Yeah. And look how busy it is with hustle bustle and all the rest. And all these things, just simple techniques like moving a camera in a particular way, give that feeling. The fact that you're saying that you pick up that watch and it goes to show that Fucking, what, 50 years on? Yeah, still it's still effective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, and, and I remember thinking quite early on, you know, because that, that's not even five minutes out of the film that I, I noticed that kind of effect, and I just remember thinking, you know, that's off to it, you know, that, yeah. that's clearly very well done. Um, 
So Woody Allen's former main squeeze is desperate to get this apartment. Um, the former main squeeze and soon to be mother-in-law. That's fucking weird, isn't it? It's totally. F- of course, it's weird. It's fucked up. You know what's. You know what's weird. In fact, I keep going on about this. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird is how only until recently have people started to think that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to show, like, it just goes to show out there that if enough people don't mention something, people just accept it. Hashtag who me? Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that joke worked on levels, did I know? She's desperate to get the apartment done. Desperate, so they need a reference. There's a Hoover in it. They have a, a cupboard which is purely used to store a Hoover. And it's hidden. This place is massive. No. They go to see their existing landlord who also happens to be their friend Hutch. Yep. It's not David's soul. <laughs> Nobody like that was disappointing. <laughs> he's getting himself up. Yeah. In a decade's time, he's going to be doing a little Salem's Lot and has been commentating on it. See, that's funny. You go in with straight Satan, Salem's Law, I go straight to Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, but it's because I still have in my head the. Is that guy's dog fucking looking at me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God damn. That was go back and listen to that, folks. That was much better. Go listen to last year's Bazoween, it's a lot better than this one. All I'm gonna say is that's probably the most you like you lose it on that. You lose it for a good probably a good two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Dear Come on, talk, Baz, talk! Yeah. Um yes, there's no David Soul. No. But he does have an extensive knowledge of the history of their building, which apparently is quite dark. Yes. Two sisters lived there. Apparently they were cannibals and they ate kids. <laughs> You're a... No, nope, I am not saying anything at that <laughs> point. Uh, they also mentioned a dude called Adrian Mercato. Mercato. Who's going to feature later on. Yeah. He practised witchcraft and allegedly conjured the devil. Yep. Uh, and there was a dead baby found wrapped up in a basement in 59. Brian Adams did not sing about that, did he? Back in the basement of 59. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just doesn't he trip off the tongue the same way, does it? Oh, dear. Fucking Brian Adams, oh. eh? What happened to him? Uh, they move in anyway, regardless. They don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. They eat Chinese food on the floor. Like they're fucking Polish or something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> At this point, they realise they can hear everything in the house next door. That was wildly racist, wasn't it? I am so sorry. So sorry to any of our Eastern European listeners. You did not deserve that. The Chinese did not fucking deserve that either. Everything. You're just like, like no one is safe on this episode. No. You've just come in here swinging. I, said, I actually think the drink calms me down. I think it's energy. <laughs> gives me gives me meaning. Eh... <laughs> uh, and then, weirdly, but not unerotically, uh, Mia Farrow says, hey, let's make love. Yep. Actual fucking quote from this film. 
I mean, I wouldn't have said no, but I would have probably slagged her off for talking it like that. It would have been a bit strange if she said, let's make love and listen to Death From Above. Um, that's a lyric that you don't get a reference to. No. There we go. If anyone else knows that reference, then you are in on the joke. Instead, I'm getting content and shade from Baz yeah. right now. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> They then go through what I've written, what I've described here as the clumsiest disrobing ever committed to celluloid. Yeah, there's, yeah. This is, it's almost comedic in the way it's done. Yeah. I don't know if that's a film technique or not, but if I was her, I'd have told him to fuck right off. <laughs> Sorry, the fucking moment's gone. Bad enough you're making me on the floor. <laughs> Just no, no. There is a bit of healthy side boob though, mm-hmm. uh, followed by some heavy petting and light nipple stimulation. It goes no further. <laughs> Quite disappointed in a film that I just thought was going to be fuck central. Instead, we get a montage scene of <coughs> decorating, yep. interspersed with adverts for Yamaha motorbikes. Mm-hmm. Guy. The guy is uh, in the advert. Yeah, he's adver- This is. He wants to be a big actor, and at the moment he's relegated to being in adverts. I know, I get that. Which will play prominence later on. To an extent, yes. <laughs> the secret cupboard still features quite heavily at this point, which is fucking weird. Because it's New York City, and the apartments are all usually quite small and cramped, and they have this fucking cupboard. Would they not just sublet it? They could. They could, it's big enough. It's big enough. Eh, uh, Rosemary meets a girl in the laundry slash dungeon uh, underneath the building. She's called Cherry. Mm-hmm. You know, she does a turn. Oh dear. Well, come on, only fucking strippers and whores get called Cherry. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, she lives with the cast of it. <laughs> They're the people through the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cherry shows her a pendant, uh, which is a, a small herb. Mm-hmm. It's not a smelly herb, sorry, can't even read my own writing now. Which is weird because it's typed to it on my phone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a smelly herb, the cast of it gave her for good luck. Um, they took her off the streets and gave her, she kind of gives this backstory where she was like homeless or some fucking thing and they took her off the street. She mentions about having a brother in the Navy, which she thinks is going to be key and it's not at all. There's some more heavy petting. Mm-hmm. That would not have been allowed in swimming pools in this country. No. Specifically says so in those signs. I, w- I would say it's probably still not allowed in swimming pools in this country. It's not. No. Still on the sign. <laughs> People that grew up in the 70s in Scotland know exactly what I'm talking about and are rolling about pissing themselves laughing right now. As much as they were laughing to my let's make love and listen to death from above. I think not, Baz. Probably more so. I still don't get that. I'm going to Google it later. I'd Google it now, but I'm using my phone. <laughs> uh, they hear some suspiciously satanic <laughs> chanting coming from next door, mm-hmm. but don't shit themselves and leave. Uh, I mean, it's a dream flat, and every dream flat has an issue. Uh, you know, a fucking noisy upstairs neighbour, maybe like a I don't know, the sound of a drain being too loud, a cat that meows at the middle of the night. Satanists. Satanists. 
I mean... A rape bridge. A bit of... Oh dear. Um, I mean, yeah, but they don't know it's satanic. It sounds it. Yeah, but... Because uh, you know the context in the movie. It could be... This is the 60s. It could be fucking hippies. Well, unless the hippies are in the Gregorian choir. It's not... You don't, <laughs> you don't know the context of Kumbaya, right? Kumbaya could be satanic. My mother taught me Kumbaya when right. she was my Sunday school teacher. Right. But what I'm saying to you is, you know the context of that. My mother will come up here and lecture you on Jesus. If, if you did not, if you never heard it before, and you were in this house, and you heard through the walls someone saying Kumbaya, right? And I came to you and were like, what's that sound there? And I was like, oh, it's a satanic chant. You would think about Kumbaya completely differently. What I'm saying is, its context is key here. They don't know anything about Satan. If it was called Beelzebub instead of Kumbaya, possibly. <laughs> mm. Lucifer, my lord, Lucifer. Could be. That, right, that could be the seventh I'm, I'm verse. making your own argument for you. Yeah, I know, I will, I will take it. Oh, goddamn phone shut down again. Where am I? Satanic Gregorian. Yeah, heavy petting, not in a swimming pool. Um, they don't shit themselves. The next night they come home, uh, there was a crowd of people and the police outside their apartment block. The cherry, the whore, has jumped or fallen from a window <laughs> and is now dead. Uh, we meet the Castavets. Yes. This elderly couple who live next door. Oh, they are, they're a right pair of old swingers. You, you get, they were up to all sorts in the 30s, man. You get the feeling that there is a special ball just inside the door for some keys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They were doing heroin sex. <laughs> like, back before it was illegal. I think. They were doing heroin sex when you could do heroin sex in the street. I want to say that, well, Ruth Gordon, who won the Oscar for playing Mrs. Cassavetes, I want to say that a little bit of Johnny Depp's performance as Jack Sparrow is based on her. You would think so. She's I know everybody kind of, says it's the guy for the Rolling Stones, no, but I think it's her. No, it's not Keith Richards, it's, it's yeah. definitely. I'd definitely back up. And I've just written here, the guy is wearing a pink blazer and she looks like she could move her undercarriage back in the day. <laughs> I bet, I bet that would up and doing like a flywheel on a steam engine. You know what I mean? Must have had to throw water in my fanny. <laughs> Try and cool it down. Fucking what an Oscar for this movie! The meat guy in Rosemary. I don't know if I fucking missed it. There's a bit of chat outside. She explains that she met Cherry down in the basement. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, guy sleeping. Rosemary has this waking kind of dream about a nun breaking up windows in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. I'm just written. I'm confused. Look, I'm confused. <laughs> there is a note. Yeah. Listeners, it just says, I'm confused. Mrs. Castavetes comes round to visit. Uh, her husband's called Roman. Mm-hmm. And I've just written here, she's mad as fuck. And she, she's a bit odd. She's the sort of odd that comes with wealth. You know what I mean? You know those people that are like, 
like several generations into like extreme wealth and never had to work in, in breeding <coughs> in breeding to an extent but they just don't know how to communicate with well she does because I've written here she asks Rosemary 14,000 questions and then asks them round for a frozen steak who the fuck freezes steak people who have extreme wealth this is how they le- this is how they are wealthy but later on yeah when they actually go for dinner yeah she, there's a banging noise and she's like that boom steak's done that's a very early <laughs> microwave <laughs> but money yeah well they must have done and interestingly Uh-oh. here's another wild tangent that's fact my dad mm-hmm. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before actually my father was a chef you have yep and uh, he was the first chef in Dunoon and at this time Dunoon was a very big holiday destination and that's there lots of hotels, lots of restaurants and bars and stuff like that in Dunoon. And uh, also the American Navy had come to mm-hmm. the place, so there was plenty of money about in that. And he was the first chef in Dunoon to use a microwave oven. <coughs> and uh, it was the guy who's... This would have been around about the same time. Yep. The guy whose restaurant he worked in had bought it at a catering show. Mm-hmm. My dad said it was about the size of a mini. I could believe that. And it had this kind of clockworky dial that you used, you'd twist this dial and a wee lever would go up and down to show you how long you were going to cook it for. And my, he asked my old man if he'd ever used one, and my dad's like, he was still fairly early on in his career, and he just went, oh yeah, yeah, did not have a fucking clue, didn't even know what it was. So later on, his boss came in with two lamb chops, and said, I want them for my dinner, Jimmy. I want you to cook them in the new microwave. Some old man battered them in for about 12 minutes. He said they come out. They were about a quarter of the size and they were grey. <laughs> he fired these down in front of his boss. Was not happy at all. Spent thousands on this fucking thing. I don't think my father ever used it again. Anyway. Anyway. That was a tangent, wasn't it? Pad while I find my place again. Yeah, so uh, they're a bit eccentric, but you get the feeling it's because they're wealthy. Yes. And wealthy people just don't, they can't relate. They can't. Like, I don't, like if you, that's what I was saying before, if you've met anyone who doesn't, like, probably never had to work because of that, they just don't, the conversations are... my place again, yeah. I'm sorry, you can let it go. Everything that we talk about mostly is grounded, well, I would say it comes back to on some level, there will be a money element towards it. Yeah. See, if you don't have that as a consideration, I think you go a bit mad. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Talking of which, Uh-oh. guy comes home all bummed out. He's lost out in a part. to some guy called Donald Bumblast. That's not his name. It is his name. That's <laughs> not his name. <laughs> There's all sorts of backwards and forwards pish about the dinner. Uh, they decide that they're going to go to the cast event. Eh... Uh, Roman gets them straight on the vodka the minute they walk in the door. Sign your toast. Yeah, that, those car keys are going in that bowl any fucking minute now. He's <laughs> like, oh, I've travelled everywhere. Name a place, better be near that. I hate pish like that. Yeah. He's like, no, no, go on, name one, name one. <laughs> Brighton. <laughs> Been there? No, you've no. Because your face had to get fucking ripped. <laughs> It's a joke Glaswegians will get. <laughs> um, oh, God. Over dinner, the conversation turns to religion. Yeah, that's never a good sign. Nah, 
no, Roman's very kind of anti-church. Rosemary reveals she's a lapsed Catholic. Yeah. The table chat is borderline Tarantino-esque, I've written here. Well, it is a little bit because it, it doesn't much bearing on a lot of it other than the religious element. I mean, Tarantino has just released a movie featuring Roman Polanski or somebody playing Roman Polanski because Roman he Polanski is... can't come back into America because no. he's a kiddie rapist. <laughs> he's, he's not allowed. No. Um, interestingly enough, once again, he's a bad man. Horrible things should happen to him. He should have done his time. See if he'd just done his time, he'd be the minute by now. Yeah. He's not. He's not doing himself or like any favors. Interestingly enough, even it's got to the point. That even the the victim is like that. He can come back. You know what I mean? Times elapsed, all the rest. Mm. You know. But he's done himself no favors. This is before that, in terms of the chronology. Yeah. Things happen. So and Charlie Pete's still alive at this point as well, which is yeah. Not much. She's not got much left. Yeah. Before, before the whole Manson thing which is weird when you think about the time periods and all the rest and oh totally. totally but yeah like there's yeah that sort of thing where you're making comments on that it wouldn't surprise me if Tarantino is even a massive Polanski fan I think he is actually I think he, did, he tried to do some sort of apology for him recently and I was like that what are you doing buddy yeah shut the fuck up yeah. <laughs> stop talking just talk about your movie get off the cokey yeah. stop it's... putting feet in your videos yeah, honestly Fucking feet, oh Jesus. Um, guy and Roman, end, uh, they end up in deep conversation. Mancha. Uh, Mancha, um, he seems quite taken by him. Uh, and then he cancels plans with Rosemary to go and see him again. She goes on about pictures having been taken down in their house. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all good. Uh, <coughs> The next night, Guy goes back to see Roman. Rosemary stays at home. So Minnie, which is Mrs. Castavet's name, turns up with another neighbour, completely uninvited, and planks herself down and starts knitting. Uh, she then gives Rosemary that little pendant that Cherry had with this stuff in it, and it's tannis root, which gets yeah. fucking talked about all the way through this film. I should hope so. Yeah. Uh, she shows it to Guy and then sticks it away in a drawer. Um, the next day he gets this phone call to say that Donald Bumblast has gone blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's now got the part, basically. Um, he's pretty stunned by this. Uh, Rosemary goes to see Hutch. Uh, Big bunch of flowers when she gets home. Guy's all apologetic for being a shit. Well, he's got the job that he'll... he'll yeah, he's cock-a-hoops. Like, we should have a fucking baby. And she's <laughs> overjoyed. He's gone and figured out her ovulation chart, which is fucking creepy and weird. Uh, yes. No, no. I was going to say a different time, but no, creepy. Then, Still so. creepy and weird. Say creepy then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then they stick on some smooth jazz. Eat an enormous meal yep. and then get down to the fucking. I, that was a 60s and 70s thing, winter. It was a bad idea. I just want to think that maybe food was better then. I think also they used to think it was all aphrodisiacs. Yeah, none of that works. No, I'd end up just vomiting on her back. Yeah, like. <laughs> oh, God. No, I mean, no chunks of steak and all that. Oh, sorry, hen. 
Try to brush it out of her hair. We're breaking stride. <laughs> so don't just saw my actions there, folks, so you'll need to get them a minute. <laughs> Just feels like cum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even a quarter of the way through this film yet, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, yeah, I just, yeah, but I, I've never understood that. I've never understood the whole, like, ooh, food no. and sex and all that. No, just sex, then food, afterwards. A couple of whiskey max. So the food the bears needs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> during their pre-coital feast, uh, Minnie turns up with a couple of chocolate mousses because that's not fucking weird at all uh, for the dessert. Oh, chocolate's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> so why would you give it just to your neighbours? Do you know what I mean? Because they're not going to be... Well, I swear to God, if Big Wilma that lives next to me turned up at the door, like, Barry, there's a bag of oysters away and fuck your wife. <laughs> Away and fuck yourself, Wilma. I'm no date, you know what I mean? It's mind your goddamn business. <laughs> just crossing a boundary there. Fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> Do you have a neighbour to call Wilma? Ah, King Billy's <laughs> wife. <laughs> they used to. Here's how, here's how inbred fucking Grange with this. They used to live above or below Leanne. Date big sexy Dave's wife. Aye. Yeah, yeah. When, the, when Leanne grew up in the flats when she was a kid, they were her downstairs neighbour and Leanne flooded their living room one time, left the bath running when she was a wee kid. Fucking hell, man. Nobody's interested in this. No, they don't. You're listening to numbers are plummeting. No, I know. <laughs> None of them have got a fucking clue. <laughs> uh, Rosemary complains about a chalky aftertaste to her uh, aphrodisiac mousse. Mm hmm. Um, <laughs> so that uh, kind of has a a chalky kind of rehypnol taste. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I remember what I'm doing here? Who are you? <laughs> was it a date rape dessert? Just like, that, lie down. There's, there's dates in it. No, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Different sort. Yep. Guy just fucking blows her off. So there's no fucking undertaste. It's the 60s obviously, so he tells her. Yes. How I taste am, buds should I be functioning. I am man. Yeah. Women don't cook. And I think we mentioned this. Was it? I can't remember if it was the car. Was the carry episode? Yeah, but I think it was specifically off the back of the backhand. The backhand, and yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and I said we would mention again here, but the. I, I don't. It's not intentional, obviously, but when you see the way that women are treated in this time period uh, nowadays it really is fucking eye-opening but I think there is a part in the movie where that's a point I think yeah. Polanski's doing a bit of social commentary mm -hmm. here but mm -hmm. there is a bit about Rosemary's like a, a level of female empowerment but at the same time the fact that at the end of the day like thoughts and feelings and all the rest can be pretty much shut down by a man yeah 
to the point that he basically forces her to eat this and then when he's not looking she pours it into her lap. Yeah. It's a good move. Or is it? After the, after dinner he's watching the Pope at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> uh, she gets all dizzy. <laughs> Why are you laughing this? Because he, he basically carries her off into the boudoir mm-hmm. and I've written here. <laughs> for some non-consensual marital rape. <laughs> oh <God>. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets all fucking she that has this dream that she's floating in the sea and then she's on a boat then she's very erect nipples and then Hutch is there and he's not allowed on because he's not Catholic mm-hmm. and then the boat gets caught in a storm and then she gets boned after Satan and there's a lot of naked old people chanting yes fucking weird yes because Guy's one of the naked old people yes and then Minnie, she's telling Guy that she can't hear anything as long as she ate the moose. Obviously, this is a kind of interpretation of what's happening around her. She's only half-bombed on the hallucinogenic moose. Yeah, well, all this stuff up until the Satan part is the hallucination, the stuff with the Satan part isn't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a total fucking moron. I know that. But I think there's a there's a heavy bit of symbolism and all that stuff leading up, though. I think there's a bit of commentary there as well. Exactly. Specifically, I think... The, uh, what about the boating class? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if you're rich enough to own a yacht, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could date that interpretation. But I think that there is this idea of, um, you know... Uh, like journeys and who's allowed on and who's not allowed on and the idea of like we mentioned it earlier on which has that weird image of like a, a nun bricking up windows and all the rest this idea of her lapsed Catholicism almost at play as well you know being, not being allowed on you know a boat there's a, a boats have symbolism towards the Bible as well and you know specific things like the ark and stuff so there's, there's name one other boat in the Bible McLeish I would argue that... Name one other boat. I would argue that maybe the most important fable about a boat comes from the Bible. The Ark? Yes. Name another boat in the Bible. I don't need to name another one. I think the symbolism is pretty clear. There's like one boat in that fucking book. The boat that saves the world. Right, sorry. Sorry for being obtuse about things. The meat... Only saved the animals. Only saved the animals and the two people on the boat. <laughs> right? Four people on the boat. Was it? Yeah. Thought it was just. It was Shem and Jaffet as well. Shem and Jaffet? Mm-hmm. This is why I will never read it. The, the, that, the, the, I mean. Do I have your name? It's Shem. Shem. Shem sounds like so, the sort of thing that you cough up when you've had, like, I don't know. A bit, a, a bit bunny in here with a hay fever. You shame up a flame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> apologies for all our, uh, our religious people out there, but that, you know, but that to me, there's, there, there is. I think all those sequences have a, a, a specific purpose in there. I don't think it's just a case of she's she's tripping balls and thinking about boats. I think that's you know. Noah did have another son as well, who I think dies. Do you want to know what his name is? I'm laughing because you're going to freak out, but this is actually his name. Ham. (laughs) (laughs) 
shame and harm. Did he hate his kids? I don't know. Well, Fucking okay, schools didn't exist back they're then. They're interested in the, the, the animals, I think, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> you name them after choice cuts of meat. Honestly. Um, um, you ever seen the film about Noah? The one with, is it Russell Crowe? Oh no, I avoided that like the oh, That's the Aronofsky as well, you know that? Well. Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan, Mother, like classic fucking movies and then they made no. that. Yeah. yeah. Does it not have stone I monsters? put that on, yeah, it does. And I did not know that when I put it on for my dad. <laughs> one fucking Christmas is <laughs> up and as usual, couldn't find any watch on the 147 channels I've got in a while. You want to watch a film? Aye, aye, maybe put a film on. The film of it, no, do you want to watch that? You're a church elder. Aye, aye, let's put that on. So I'm sitting watching one. A wee bit risky from old man, but anyway, let's keep... Why is there stone monsters in this? I can just see my father fucking looking at it. He did not watch it all. He was not happy at all. They just silently get up and would leave maybe. I think you called a pish at one point. Anyway, I've been trying to say the line Satan gives her a right good fingering for about the last five minutes, so I'm moving on now. Like, Satan gives her a right good fingering. See, he's not got the fucking impact now. Although, do you know what I was thinking today? Because I was thinking about what I was going to say tonight, and somewhere in the world there's a wee guy who at one point got to touch Maya Farrow's tit with a wee fucking scaly rubber glove on. I'd have cut the palm out it. Uh, Anywho. This is why you're not allowed on a movie set. This why, and I'm not allowed rubber gloves either. One of many reasons why you're not allowed on a movie set. (laughs) (laughs) It's a grown list. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, she basically gets boned off a Satan, but all you see is his wee rubber hand and some eyes, some glowing yellow eyes. Uh, but she does wake up covered in scratches. Guy, on the other hand, laughs off the fact that he essentially raped her while she was unconscious. This is one of those moments. I have written here, hashtag me too. But the thing about that is, once again, I think that, well, I don't know if necessarily that conversation is as, as it's intended or if it is just like a this is what 60s men say, you know, all these sort of things. But yeah, it's, it's one of those scenes that, especially in today's life when you watch it, even like fucking 10 years ago when I, when I was really starting to get obsessed with this movie, you watch it thinking to what the fuck are we doing in here? So that first time you watch the, you know, you watch Creepshow 2? Yeah. Remember the raft? Yeah. Yeah. And we the rape. It was just like I had a whole section of all of that. Why is this everyone's favourite segment in Creepshow 2? This guy basically rapes this chick. Should we call rape on a raft? <laughs> or the rape raft? The rape rap. <laughs> let's not do it. Let's not do it. Let's not do it. Let's oh, that's my head now. Let's not do it. Yeah. Do you know what I was thinking though? What were you thinking, Matt? My wife would probably be quite happy she didn't need to wake up. <laughs> and if any of you are appalled by that, ask her. Because <laughs> I fucking guarantee she'll back me up. <laughs> But just mere days later, they're convinced that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. She goes to see a Dr. Hill, who you've got a fucking hard on for all of a sudden. Fucking Charles Groden's in this fucking movie, man. Who cares? How did I not know that? He calls back anyway later on to say that she's pregnant. Uh, she tells Guy, 
says they should make a fresh start. He then wants to go over and tell the fucking senior citizens that live next door because this is the most important thing that's ever happened. So he goes scooting off there with gay abandon. Uh, they immediately come around and start fussing all over her. They convince her to switch doctors yeah. from your favourite Dr. Hill to one Dr. Abraham Saperstein. Now... See if his name was Shem... Shem Shaperstein. Shem Shaperstein. It's just a poor Irish beat cop. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's an interesting fact. So, Dr. Saperstein is a gynecologist or whatever the fuck they call them in America. Um, Is that O-G-B-Y-N? O-G-B-Y-N. In Parks and Recreation. You know the comedy? Yes, I've never seen it, but I know the comedy. Never seen it. It's fucking brilliant. You're going to fucking lecture me on things that people have seen and haven't seen. You're going to lecture me right now on this show. On this fucking recording, you're going to lecture me for not seeing a modern comedy programme. With the litany of fucking war crimes you have in cinema or movies you've not you're gonna come at me like that in my home after I give you a coffee and a bottle of water you come at me like that bro weak sauce hashtag weak sauce no <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that <laughs> no I'm annoyed that my favourite one of my favourite comedy characters of all time is in there Jean Ralphio right watch his montages on YouTube they're fucking hilarious you find out about halfway through, his name is John Ralphio Saperstein. His father in the show is played by Henry Winkler, the Fonz. Yeah. Dr. Saperstein, and he's a gynecologist. It's clear, it has to oh, be yeah, a non yeah, yeah, Because uh, when the name came up, it was like, hold on, Saperstein. The only time I'd ever heard the name before was in Parks and Rec, and I was be. like, wait a minute, the father's a gynecologist, he's has a doctor. It's like when you watch the, the League of Gentlemen are full of characters whose names are Never directly. Seen it. <laughs> You're lucky that is a plastic bottle there. Um, yeah, it's full of character names are all names specifically like weird. What there was a like right in the very first episode, two guys that work for it's like the they want to build a new road, and the two guys that work there are named after. Two villains, two lesser villains from a Bond movie. Right. And it's just like, like I remember the first time we got that. Even the way they speak to each other, refer to each other as Mister Kid and Mister Something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know that you fucking before the internet, you know, you get you get in there later on, you find that you go, ah, it just it's a huge litany of characters which are all named, named after these tiny. And it's just, it's them just coming. Oh, we'll have those two cats. Oh, they're like that, right? We'll, Bond thing, that'll be exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Baby. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Influential. I need to check out this Parks and Recs now. It's fucking brilliant, Parks and Recs. Genuinely. First season's not quite as good, but it, it goes for about eight or nine seasons. It's hilarious, man. I will do it. Ron motherfucking Swanson. Well, I've seen all those. Seen him. He's hilarious. Yes. And I've seen all the outtakes where what's his face Pratt shits himself and fucks all over the place, <laughs> which are kind of amazing. Um, so I've seen all them, but I've never watched Check it. out Jean Ralphio. I will do, I will do. Your eyes are about to piss tears. It's one of his lines. Fucking great. Anyway, um
what the fuck is happening? I've never been so frightened in all my life. Did the television just speak to us? No, my HomePod spoke to us. Fuck me in the hole. What was that? Say. What? I've got a HomePod. What the fuck is a HomePod? It's like Alexa, but made by Apple. Of course you do. I'm gonna keep. I'm, I'm gonna keep all this in, by the way, because we're gonna chop it out. But yeah, it, it obviously must have picked up. We must have said something that sounded remotely like Siri. So, God damn, I think I pissed myself a little bit there. You, we've missed a perfect comedy moment. If this, Woo! If this had been a vlog. Um, oh, game over. Yeah. Man. Been right on YouTube. Oh, for palpitations. Eh. <laughs> uh, Right, the odd toast the baby, because obviously you could drink in those days when you were pregnant. Yep. Uh, during the night, she goes and puts the wee fucking pendant thing on. No reason for it, just does. Uh, next day, Dr. Saperstein tells her very specifically not to read books or listen to her friends, because all pregnancies are different. Mm -hmm. This becomes important. Um, and he's like that, wee mini cast of vets there, and she'll make you a herbal drink instead of taking any medicine. Because that's what doctors did in the 60s. Well, actually, that's what doctors did in the 60s. <laughs> uh, for some reason, then, she goes and cuts her hair into a pixie cut. And Vidal Sassoon gets a fucking product placement mention. Yeah. Which I thought was odd. Big back then. Yeah. Uh, she tells guys she's having pains. Big Doc Saperstein passes off as pelvic widening. Which is actually a real thing. <laughs> Um, it's eye watering as well. Oh, I can feel it. my testicles retracting <laughs> when I say that. Oh, they'll look it back then. Oh, I've got to start cramping up in a minute. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he just tells her to shut the fuck up and stop reading books. Yep. Stupid woman. It's the Handmaid's Tale all over again, isn't it? This film is so far reaching. Hey. <laughs> it starts to get worse. Um, she starts to say that she looks awful and, and her husband's like, that's your fucking haircut head. My wife would have neutered me if I'd said that. It's the worst thing you ever did, it's your fucking hair. Look at the steak. Look at the steak. Eat your chocolate mousse. <laughs> Although I wouldn't have to say that to my wife because she'd have finished it. Eat your chocolate mousse. She'd have finished it and then smashed the glass into my face, taking an eye out. Talk about my hair, you little prick. I'll give you chalky aftertaste. That's not a chalky aftertaste, that's blood <laughs> running down the back of your throat, son. Kind of tastes like metal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking your forefront teeth out, you snivelling little shit. <laughs> <laughs> she starts eating meat that's barely cooked. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't drink on Bazzi's either. <laughs> I know, I'm pure winked at you there yeah. as if the people listening to this podcast can see that. Fuck's sake. It was a thinly veiled blowjob joke. Yeah. Uh, Hutch comes to visit. He's like, you're looking ill, hen, you're losing weight. Not in a cool way. <laughs> What's going on with that haircut? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, it's just my hair. Uh, almost on cue, the, the odd Roman pops up. Uh, he's like, who's visiting? I'll just come in. Uh, so he goes in, he meets Hutch. Um, they two hit off like a house on fire. Aye. Uh, there's a whole bit about an ear piercing, which is fucking odd. Oh, uh, no. Doesn't seem to mean anything. I, I don't... 
I'm trying to think of what way you walked into the flats in his right ear. Is that the one that means you like the bum fun? I can't, I can never way. remember. We'll see a few. Used, everything negative is usually connected yeah. with the left. Uh huh. What concerns me is that I only ever had my left ear pierced. Honestly, I used to walk about with these coloured handkerchiefs hanging out the back. You don't get that at all, do you? That's all to do with, yeah, I know. I get it. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah. We all are Johnson on top of the pops asking to get pissed on. Because he's a dirty wee man. Need to relax. I do, I do. I'm I'm all up to high go. I'm going to go home and not wake my wife up and just tore in there. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just around fucking us with that's about that's about the ear piercing. Mm. Uh, oh, there's mere talk about Tannis Root, nobody cares. Um, Hutch does apparently. He kind of latches on to it. Says he's going to look it up. Well, I see if I said to you, you know, encyclopedia. Tannis Root, Tannis Root, Tannis Root, Tannis Root, Tannis Root, Tannis Root, what the fuck is that? Nowadays, I googled it on my handheld device. Nowadays, you can just do that. Back in the day, you'd have to go if you didn't have an encyclopedia, which you might not. You'd have to go to the library. Yeah. Get a wee woman to bring a giant fucking book down. You'd have to open it up, spin, take a read at it, find it. I'd have probably phoned my dad. There you go. There you go. I'd probably said it goes well with lamb or something like that. Eh. Microwave lamb. Kai would be fucked talking about the rest of this actually there's something about a glove yeah Hutch Hutch loses a glove I've written other stuff here it's just meaningless if it doesn't fit you have to quit Hutch loses a glove yep Uh, later on that night he phones her up been all mysterious I want to meet you tomorrow and all that outside the time life building why do they always do that I have the yeah. vital bit of knowledge that is going to save you from danger right now. However, let's we, leave it eighteen hours. Yeah, let's meet. Let's meet at a, like a weird. Like, yeah. No one's bugging my phone. No, I know. But you're asking to get run over by an errant taxi, <laughs> which actually doesn't happen. I don't know why I said that. Uh, <clears throat> so she goes down to wait on him the next day. Yeah, but now she's in constant pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't turn up. She owns the apartment, and a woman tells her that he's in coma in a hospital. Yeah. Uh, she then bumps into the inexplicable Minnie, who uh, takes her home uh, in a cab, which she hails with her rape whistle. I don't quite why she was carrying. I've got no idea. You said her fanning was on fire earlier. Well, you know you. She looked like she'd done a turn when she was younger. Aye. You know what I mean? She's not looking her best in this film. No, her makeup. Probably still would have though. There's a New Year's party at the Castamets house. We all know what kind of fucking party that is. Uh, Dr. Sapper's just like, well, shut up your pain, it's fine. It's just minor woman pain. It's your haircut. Yeah, it's your haircut. What the fuck you were thinking? Interestingly, the Roman toasts the new year, which is 1966, but refers to it as year one. Yes. Yeah, that happens again later. Mm-hmm. Rosemary eats raw chicken livers. Yeah, that's not good. No. Nah. Right, I can tell you, like, I wasn't a chef. Right? No. 
but I did have a small stint in the butchers for six months. It was my first job. Um, and I right, you must have been about four, because I, I, I can rhyme off about 18 different places that you worked in and I've never heard of the butcher shop before. The butchers was my first job when I was 16. I worked in the butchers for almost a year before... How do you know? Are you, are you older than me? <laughs> 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 I've never heard the butcher story yeah, before. I, my very first job, my mum told me again. I turned 15 and my mum was like that. Why do you not have a job? And that's, not, that's probably a valid question. My brother had been working since he was like 13 or something. She's like, why do you not have a job? And, like, and she's like, you need to go. And this was when we were out, actually. I'm artistic and sensitive. I, well, that's, that was the persona I was going for. <laughs> uh, podcasting didn't exist back then. Uh, and I, we, were in the, we were in the Howgate Centre, which means no one, nothing to anyone that isn't in Falkirk. We were in the Howgate Centre, um, kind of like walking about. Remember they used to have the in shops, which is like a small collection of, it was like a marketplace. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were in there, and we were like, you know, why do you not have a job? And we were walking around, and as we were walking around, the butchers that was in there had a sign saying, help wanted, and I was like, I'll just ask them if they, they're looking for someone. And I went and I spoke to a guy, and the guy's like, can you start on Saturday? And I was like, aye. <laughs> just got the job there and then. Uh, I worked there for almost a year. That, you must have had a whale of time in there. It's eye-opening. <laughs> it's it's eye-opening, eye but the, the first thing I will tell you about chicken livers is, see, when chicken livers go off, the worst fucking smell on the planet. <laughs> like, the worst smell on the planet. And the second thing is, I can tell you right now, you don't fucking eat them raw. No, no, you do not. Do not eat them raw. You don't even go near them. <laughs> you look like you're a bit too rich. <laughs> the smell. I can still, it's one of those things where... I had to lift a full bucket and I'm fairly sure it was like some it was one of the five or six different fucking hazing things I got. <laughs> including <laughs> including uh, go and speak to the janitor and ask for the long stand. Oh the long stand, uh. Which lasted about forty-five minutes for me before it actually I'm quite I like to think of myself as being quite clever, Buzz. Felt about that size. No one can see the size of your shoe, but it was small. Um, I sent a wee guy the, to our beer cellar to polish the beer kegs because the draft, the draymen were coming the next day. It was an hour and a half. Oh, you're a bad man. Two of them were fucking gleaming. You don't, the one thing I learned is you don't fuck around with practical jokes in a butcher's because one of my colleagues... <laughs> Too many knives. <laughs> one of my colleagues was drinking her tea and found a chunk of raw meat at the bottom of it, which had been plopped in. <laughs> yeah, now, now you understand it's a different level, <laughs> different level of psychological warfare. I was off meat for like about six, six months. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, can, can do it, can do it. So, yeah, there we go. There's on the side. One of my many jobs. I think I've worked loads of places. Fucking, you know half. Yeah, I thought everyone knew that, but there we go. Anyway... Swing it back. Raw chicken lovers. Talking of swinging, there's a New Year's party at the cast Ooh. of Hetzes. Yep, uh, woo, woo, woo. Oh, I had raw chicken lovers, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, then the next day, she's like, All right, well, we're having a fucking party where old friends were not inviting all the old people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnie comes in with one of her wee satanic milkshakes. She chases her the fuck out and throws it down the sink. Uh, the party, everybody's cooing all over her for the pregnancy. Uh, Few of them are going on about how pale she is. Uh, she gets all upset. Sort of girlfriends are all kind of talking. Um, 
she tells them about this pain and then they're like, you need to go and see this Dr. Hill guy because your Dr. Saperstein's a fucking pervert. <laughs> um, to go back and see Charles Grodin, who I didn't know was in this movie mm, until today. Guys just fucking stubbing fagged out suit into the polished mahogany floors. Like, you're just renting me. That's going straight out your deposit. What the fuck right, are you thinking? Deposit. You don't fuck it up. Oofed. Eh... Uh, so she's like, listen, I'm going to see Dr. Hill and I'm not drinking that fucking milkshake thing anymore. Uh, and he's like, your friends are all bitches. It's not Try a, to turn you against me. It's not a good starting point. No. It's not no, a good yeah. starting point. You, you... Old school chauvinism. <laughs> your sister's a whore. So, just try to fuck me. Just try to fuck me. All your friends try to fuck me. Don't be not to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. They get into a big argument and then miraculously her pain just stops. And she feels the baby kicking. She's cock-a-hoop. He is slightly unnerved. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all becoming real now. It is. It is. Uh, there's another montage at this point. Some baby preparation. Yep. And uh, Minnie's five-year-old Satan milked down it again. <laughs> They get a phone call to say that Hutch has died. Oh. Um, Rosemary goes to the funeral. The woman she spoke to on the phone then gives her this book, which she had asked to be passed on to her, along with the, the words, the name is an anagram, which is like the last thing he'd said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody's actually sure if it's the name of the book or what. Um, back home she opens it up and it's called All of Them Witches. Uh, it's some kind of fucking historical text on witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hutch has underlined a wee passage about Tannis root, which apparently is used in the rituals, as you pointed out earlier on, don't you? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, there's also a chapter on the Adrian Mercato motherfucker that we heard about earlier on. Mercato. Uh, there's a photograph of him in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of familiar. Kind of, kind of, maybe I've seen this guy before. Yeah. Uh, she fires with a scrabble board. Charles Grodin, by any chance. <laughs> Didn't know he was in this movie. Uh, uh, she gets a scrabble board. Yeah, she gets a scrabble board. She starts fucking about rearranging the title of the book. Draws a complete blank. Yeah. Tell you she, right now, Mercato is like about 75 points. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble point. word score. <laughs> um... She then sees that Hutch has underlined this Adrian Mercato's name. She realises it's the anagram, and it's an anagram of Roman Gastavets. Mm. She then miraculously deduces that Roman is Adrian's son. Yep. Gives her theory to Guy, who's very sceptical. It's like, they cunts are getting nowhere near me, and we're moving house. He tells her, don't be so stupid, and takes her book away. Yeah. God, got to love the 60s, eh? Uh, see, all that shit we gave them the vote. Baz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she goes to see Dr. Saperstein and tells him about her theory, uh, and he's like, you're a fucking idiot. Um, but he, he then says that Roman is terminally ill and that he's going to leave to go travel. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> 
See, I don't know why I gave up the script, right? I don't, honestly. There's a talent there. Oh. Uh, yeah, so he's like, he's dying of cancer or some bollocks, and, but he's going to go travelling again, but don't tell him I told you, what a shite. Uh, but then see them waving them off in the street. Uh, Saperstein's giving a load of pills that guy's firing into her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's then she's looking for her book, he's like, fuck it, I threw it out. Don't give a fuck, threw it out. What you got to do? Uh, so she goes out and buys a load of books on it, so that'll fucking learn them. Just cost yourself money, new guy. Uh, she also throws the pendant down in the sewer. Um, and then she starts reading about covens and all this, and how they could sort of communally, they could kill somebody or blind them. Mm-hmm if they've got like a personal possession to focus on. She calls Donald Bumblaster and uh, basically asks him if he's lost anything. Yeah, my eyesight. <laughs> 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 that would have been a fucking great answer. Uh, yeah, did you leave in here? I had the ability to see him. Um, and he then reveals something about a tie that he'd swapped the tie with Guy and she starts seeing all these holes in Guy's account of what had happened mm. uh, so she, she now starts I think to suspect Guy so she freaks out grabs a wee overnight suitcase thing uh, heads to Dr Saperstein's office but during the conversation with the secretary she mentions that he comes in smelling on a tannis route sometimes so she puts 48 and 96 together yeah gets four um he's in on it as well so she leaves and calls dr hill meets him gives her the theory uh, and basically says that they're all trying to steal the baby including guy um, he appears quite understanding until she mentions saperstein's name uh, he then says, right, I mean, if you lie down, let me deal with all this. Then Guy and Saperstein walk in. Ratted her out. Dirty rat bastard. Sorry, I know he's your favourite person in the fucking world. <laughs> uh, and then they basically go, like, if you don't come with us and shut your dirty whore mouth, we're going to have you committed. Because it's the 60s and he's your husband and he can probably just say I'd like her committed, please. And this new script has been written by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. So she goes along with him. Hey, and I've, I've written here in, a, in an effort to try and sound vaguely intelligent, this scene really demonstrates the perceived subservience of women in those days. Yeah. Well done. Uh, just showing her. Just showing her. Hashtag me and all. Uh, on the way into the apartment, she manages to trick them all and escapes up to the uh, apartment on her own. Mm-hmm. He's laughing now, guy. Yeah, yeah, there, there's some crazy free jazz music. Freestyle on jazz mm-hmm. played over the top of this for all the hip cats. Oh. <laughs> she locks herself in, tries to phone for help, and literally the whole coven tiptoe past the door behind her, mm-hmm. like a fucking Scooby-Doo movie. Uh, or like the old naked people at the end of Hereditary <laughs> or the old naked people in Midsummer. <laughs> old naked titties mm, it's like Ari Aster 
Oh, he's a little bit of rosemary, baby. Oh, God, another one you've got hard on for. Right. Where are we now? I've lost my fucking place again. Is old people tiptoeing past this could be there? Yeah. We go in one door and make a door from the other side of the room. Yeah, that's fucking mental. It's comical to watch. Uh, they grab a hold there, big fight, sedator. Uh, Dr. Sabstein realises she's in labour. Evelyn kind of fades out. She comes round, guys sitting on the bed. She asks about the baby and he says it's a boy and everything was fine. Blah, blah, blah. So she keeps kind of passing in and out of consciousness. Um, she asks about the baby. Saperstein comes in and tells her that it died. Uh, and he then rather cruelly goes like that because he's probably done something in hospital but you wouldn't fucking go. Or words to that effect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's Bedside quite a harsh Yeah, totally. Uh, she starts freaking out, accusing him of lying and taking the baby and all that. Oh, sorry, it's half four in the morning. <laughs> I'm starting to die here. Um, guy later on passes this off by saying you had the postpartum crazies. It's a real thing. Oh, you crazy lady. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to see his shoulder. I think it's a fetish thing. <laughs> She's lying watching the TV. Here's a baby crying. Yeah. You think they would have tried to hide that baby a bit fucking better? Well, considering they heard the Gregorian satanic chants through the wall yeah. earlier on in the movie, yep, you would think. Uh, there's a woman looking after her, she's like, just imagining things here, take your fucking tablets, but we find out that she's hiding them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're also harvesting her breast milk. Freaks me out. <laughs> Honestly, my wife's just had two fucking boys in the space of three years and breast milk still freaks me out. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. They're like that. Oh, we're just throwing it out. Uh, she sticks an old spoon in one of the glasses and they fucking go mental at her. You're not a bit suspicious here then. Mm. Uh, the scenes though, it is very well done here. It kind of keeps flip-flopping between her being crazy. Yes. And been absolutely correct. And yes. obviously this is done, this is done intentionally. Um, I've written here that it's very well done kind of thing because even at this point, and this is quite late in the film, so we're into sort of the last ten minutes of the movie, and you're not actually sure that I was like that. Is this like this thing that you and fucking Scott are obsessed with? Nothing's actually a horror film. Just everybody's fucking crazy. Yeah. And this is you know, and I'm like, I wonder if this is actually the kind of the whole crux of this film yeah, that yeah. is that. Everything was totally innocent and she had just lost her fucking mm-hmm. head. So yeah, so I mean, and it's quite a long film, eh? It's not far off two hours. It's just shy of two hours. Yeah. Uh, and um, we are, we're up about an hour fifty at this point and you still don't know. Um, so it's uh, very well done. Um, she decides that she's going to go and check out this neighbouring apartment, grabs a kitchen knife, uh, breaks into the apartment next door. It's all full of occult artwork. Yeah, but I hadn't that a bit better. Mm. Um, she can hear everybody talking, including Minnie, who's supposed to be in fucking Dubrovnik. Weirdly, <laughs> I've been there. Uh, she walks out of the room with a knife. Whole coven's there, including guys having a whaley at time. Uh, <laughs> there's a big, there's a large black crib. Yes. With an inverted cross hanging above it just in case you're unsure, so that's pointing directly to the child of Satan. Yes. Um, 
she looks in the crib, you don't see what she sees, but she's, she's whole horrified and she starts screaming, what have you done, what have you done, what have you done to his eyes? His eyes? Um, and we did see horrible eyes when she was getting fingered off of Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, <laughs> all of this, but Roman's like that, he has his father's eyes. Mm-hmm. So his eyes are green. Or some fucking pish lie, that's Satan is his father! And then all these old people start going, Hail, Hail Satan! Satan! Hail Satan! Love it. Brilliant. Uh, it's very amusing, I've got to say. Um, all these old dears throwing up the horns and all that. They don't actually throw up the horns, but it's kind of cool if they had. Baby's name is Adrian, mm-hmm. uh, which I've only just realised is to do with Adrian Mercato. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman's like, God is dead, Satan lives, it's year one, year which one. I mentioned before. And then he's like, that, any chance you could raise this Wayne? Because mm-hmm. uh, that pair are far too fucking old. Uh, guy now tries to smooth things over. Right? Maybe so, not the best time, guy. Is there ever really a good time to go like that? Sorry, I was just trying to further my career by having you raped by Satan. I have engaged in a Faustian pact uh-huh. with these Satanistic. That's cunts. a better way of putting it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's like these satanistic cunts here so I could get my dream job yeah all I had to give up to get my dream job was your womb yeah and one day it's like basic it's, uh, this is an decent proposal mm-hmm. but instead of a million dollars it's Satan's bobby scaly Satan cock <laughs> scaly Satan demon seed and nine months of womb wreckage Um uh, yeah yeah like yeah I'm with you on this one Guy, the best thing you could do right now is back away slowly with your mouth fucking shut. Yeah. Like, disappear into the velvet curtains in the background. Get the fuck out of the road, man. Honestly. Uh, yeah. And so she just spits in his face, which well, is was completely gonna, understandable. I was going to say, did he think at the, like, when he was walking towards her, did he think, we're going to be all right here? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, oh, they said they wouldn't really hurt you. And, you know, we got so much in return. Oh, fair enough then. Yeah, fair, fair enough. We got so much in return. At the moment, it looks like you. Yeah. You got quite a bit here, yeah, guy. Yeah, and I, I get fucking touched up with rubbery scales. <laughs> Many geese are a wee cup of Lipton's tea. Mm. The channel's Lipton was for Glasgow. Did not know that. Yeah. There we go. Freemason. Of course. Remember the Lodge, Scotia. Scotia? Yeah, Lodge, Scotia. Uh, yeah, he, he was one of the... Uh, there, there's something about me, he was like a first, it was something to do with the, the way, he like started up the Lipton's tea business in Glasgow, but then I think he kind of took it to America or something like that, it just fucking exploded. But then I think he got into sailing boats, like once he'd made all his money, just used to sail sailing boats, boats, like... Like the dream sequence in the movie, Lipton's tea. <laughs> or so, in the Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah these big yeah. yachts, just full of animals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the baby starts crying she kind of approaches the crib and she's like the old dear you're rocking him too fast and then Roman tells the old dear to get the fuck and then the film ends basically with everybody standing around watching approvingly as she soothes the baby so she's made her choice so there was a choice yes at the end it's Sophie's choice well it's Rosie's choice <laughs> Rosie's choice um, yeah so, turned out she was right all along. Yep. 
big pack of Satanists try to steal her wing and they did and then she just caves in and says alright I'll look after it sometimes the most plausible solution isn't it this is true <laughs> this is true <laughs> and that is the end of Rosemary's Baby right so then give me your final thoughts then um, have you now seen Rosemary's Baby uh, it's the way it keeps you guessing as to what's actually going on and and kind of leads you down the path of maybe she is just because you know I'm terrible with things like that yeah like every time you and Scott are like ah but it's really about mental health I'm like is it is it oh fuck no again mm-hmm. um, but this it kind of leads you down that route and you feel like a fucking genius when you're like oh my god maybe maybe she's just mad mm-hmm. um, and it, right up to the very last scene I thought that was really well done I thought that was really well done some of the editing in it is kind of odd mm-hmm. and it's maybe just because it's a very old film the editing thing it just seems to be that to me I could see there was a lot of little scenes in it that had been put in and then they clearly chopped the end off mm-hmm. but the resultant was that the scene didn't really mean anything right you're like alright that was clearly going to mean something and then you've changed your mind or whatever that's mm-hmm. kind of lost in the cutting room floor that was I think that's probably the only negative I could give that the, the filmmaking in this mm-hmm. camera work's amazing the score's excellent uh, a lot of the acting is very good mm-hmm. it is a bit hammy but yeah, that, acting was like, like that in you, those days you, you when you're purposely projecting your inner monologue yeah. you know this is no dream this is real uh, yeah, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff you know it's for purely for the audience just in case you haven't quite picked up what's happening yeah. but then also got to remember this is a 1968 audience mm-hmm. who are going to see this movie in the cinema are used to being spoon fed story you know what I mean yeah and they're, they're probably then they will never have seen a woman been raped by Satan no. either do you know what no. I mean which is it, it, it's kind of hard to imagine the kind of impact that would have had um, mm-hmm. Much in the way, like Psycho, mm-hmm. um, you know, we spoke about that. The while that shower scene doesn't really have an awful lot of impact beyond, beyond its iconic status yeah. nowadays, it probably was really quite terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> this is very similar. Um, it, it, you know, we, we've seen the Omen. We've seen. Nowadays, every second film's a fucking possession well, film. I was about to say this is the, the the it's become weirdly in vogue to to do movies with a reference or connection to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, it's become hugely hugely popular, <clears throat> and I think it's I think it's the enduring legacy of the film is that it's almost become like Jaws has become the template for anyone wanting to do any creature yeah. movies. Or The Exorcist has become the template for anyone doing a possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like Rosemary's Baby is the de facto default for dealing with anything to do... Satanic. Yeah, anything to do with witches or, uh, or Satanism. Witches previously to this point here in movies are portrayed with pointy hats. And and cauldron, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how they're portrayed. This completely modernises it, wholly modernises it. And just says, well, no, they could, they, they could be next door to you. Yeah, they could be the people next and door. And the, the, yeah. the, the horror element of the beauty of the simplicity of the, the story, specifically aimed at New York, is look at, because that's why when it pulls out at the end, and you see all these high-rise buildings, it's like, well, 
look at all these buildings, look at all these tenants, look at all these rooms and all the rest. What's going on in that? Yeah, yeah, what's going yeah, on yeah. in that yeah. one? You know, if this conspiracy can exist on this level here, what's happening in that one there? And I, there's something deeply disturbing yet kind of really, really clever and pure about that message, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, have you ever actually thought of that? Yeah. Have you ever actually considered what might be what, what your neighbours do? This sort of idea, I think, is fucking genius, absolutely genius. And it's coming off the back of the hippie movement, where everything is. Rosemary's Baby, in a lot of respects, is the gateway to a lot of things starting to take a darker, more sinister turn. Mm -hmm. And specifically off this, the kind of sort of almost the first kick off of like a rebellion against the peace, love, and hippie movement. That ultimately a movie like Last House on the Left. There is a reason we've got these movies in mm -hmm. here. Last House on the Left is really the one that just says, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck it and deal with this now. Yeah, you're and not going to like this. Yeah, two years later you get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then the whole world's upside mm -hmm. down. But Rosemary's Baby in a lot of respects is a precursor to all that. And all the jointed, disjointed stuff and all the rest. I mean, I think you're probably right. I think there are things in there that are kind of unfinished ideas from his perspective. I think a lot of it is deliberate to make you feel disjointed uh -huh. and almost on some level like the character like you were saying where you're like that I, I, don't, I don't know 10 minutes from the end in fact is she, is she mm -hmm. there's some of that put in very similar to how Kubrick has Danny going round the Overlook Hotel where the hotel doesn't make sense to where rooms are mm -hmm. it, it's there in the background as a technique to foster an impact of feeling something yeah, subconscious yeah. that all that's in there I don't think it's done as well as he does it in the Tenant, which is a movie which deals specifically with paranoia um, and a tenant built, um, bill, which is done so much better. But it's done in there; it's very clever. But every single like, there's a reason I mentioned Hereditary, um, because Hereditary is, for all intents purposes, you know, this sort of movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like even even down to uh, like Midsummer's a great example as well. But you like this movie predates the Wicker Man. Yeah. And you start to get like the, the British impact kicking off this is we can start doing things like Blood and Satan's Claw, The Wicker Man, we can start like we can start doing this folk horror stuff which takes a kind of very Anglo interpretation of kind of Satanism or paganism or whatever. But Polanski's like the balls on the guy to say, you know what, I'm gonna set this in New York, I'm gonna set it in the sixties, I'm gonna put me a pharaoh in it who you know. Mm -hmm. Um I'm gonna, you know, have all these. I'm gonna sit there in a plush apartment building, all this. I'm gonna put that conspiracy right front and center for you, and you're gonna follow this mystery story, which, by the way, as outlandish as it gets, at the end you're gonna be given, you're gonna be given the realization it's real, and the the kind of weirdly sensitive touch at the end of, you know, listen, we don't need you to look after this baby. We can we can bring up this mm. baby. But wouldn't the baby be better having its mother? Yeah. And this idea that she chooses that, even knowing fine well that that kid in there is basically, even as a lapsed Catholic, she'll know that this baby's going to break down. The yeah. yeah. I think it's fucking brilliant as well. It's weirdly touching in a strange way, but it's you know it's a, it is a pillar of cinema. I mean, really, really, I can't understate this. And whilst you're saying all that, I get the feeling that there might be a negative aspect. And is it the runtime? Because a lot of people don't like the runtime in this movie. Are you alright with it being two hours? Or do you feel it was a bit low Um, No, actually, it, it is quite a long film. It didn't feel particularly long the first time I watched it, you know, when I just gave it 
<clears throat> just as normal watching without note taking. Mm. It didn't feel particularly long. Um, <clears throat> no, I think it's the it's the building up of the characters. Yeah, it, it gives it time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I complained about that in Carrie that I thought you know the change in Carrie's character was, was too sudden. Yeah, for yeah. Me. But you're condensing you know a novel into a ninety minute movie or whatever mm-hmm. you know. So I can't really turn round and criticise Polanski for spending a bit of time building up these characters. Yeah. You know, the husband appears to be a decent kind of guy at the start. He gradually becomes more slimy and untrustworthy and stuff like that as it goes on. Um, and and yet her character, there's all the confusion around her, but she does kind of remain pure even up to, to that very final scene. And you, yeah, I think you're probably right. There is a bit of you thinks... At least she's doing the right thing. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weirdly... So see me, once again, linking it back to... Like, see when Hereditary and Midsummer finished, everything those movies finished, I feel weirdly in a positive mood. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't don't know why it's like Hereditary, spoiler for Hereditary. Um, The end of that movie where you you find it's Paymon and they're basically doing the same chant. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hail Paymon you know, the year is zero, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that pish and all the rest, it's, it's the same idea, but it finishes, and it's the music, and the way it's all constructed, and the, it's this crescendo, Midsummer's exactly mm-hmm. the same, no spoiler for the end of Midsummer, but the way the build-up happens in such a way with the music and the crescendo at the end, it finishes on this kind of, and, yeah, and yeah. then you just exhale at the end, and there's this weird euphoria that kind of washes over you, and I think that is... That is like that is the power of filmmaking. If you can mm. do that right, you can do a story which leaves you weirdly conflicted about well, this is the beginning of the end, but at the same time she's gonna bring up that baby and yeah, that's the right yeah, thing yeah. to do. The fact you can be stuck in that conflict but still be leaning towards it, well, maybe she did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean that I think that speaks to how how good storytelling can be be done but like I think people at times feel that horror movies in particular the the kind of stereotype of the the default stance is well they're dumb movies aren't they they're dumb movies where people are running out of doors yeah, uh, yeah. running upstairs when she was running out of doors that, that thing that Scream talks about and yes there are plenty of movies that do that there's a lot of movies out there that use messages and symbolism and society and social commentary as a vehicle and they do that really, really well. And that movie is one of them. Yeah. Which brings me to my question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know where you're going to land with this one. But you know that we do Netflix grades. You forget what the grades are, but I'll go through them again. <laughs> I see that twos didn't like it, threes liked it, four is really liked it, five is loved it. You can do point fives. Where do you come in for Rosemary's Baby? It's a solid three. Oh, right, lower than yeah, I thought. Yeah, I it's a, a solid three, I think. We're um, descending down here, 4.5, 4, <clears throat> number three. Did I give Psycho a 4? Uh, I did give Psycho yeah, a 4. Psycho a 4, Carrie's a high school run so far, we're 4. Yeah, and it's definitely my favourite of them all. Um, see, then, I, I don't know. Because I've definitely watched this again, I think, before I watched Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe even harsh. Maybe 3.5. 3.5, I will take that extra point. Maybe 3.5. That is a good film, Rosemary's Baby. Yep, it's definitely a good film. Um, there's a lot in it that's quite interesting. Um, 
Some of the acting, I think, annoyed me a little. Yeah. Um, Indeed. Mo- Indeed. Yeah. But it's weird because it's, it's like, with Psycho, it was so dated mm. that I could kind of relax into it a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> this just sits on that cusp, you know. Yeah. Possibly the fact that it's in colour. With Psycho, you're like, it's black and white film, of course, it's old. Yeah, classic actor. You know what I mean? Matte, yeah. yeah. Whereas because this is done in colour, mm. the big scores and all that, cinematography, you know, I thought uh, Farrow was very good in it. She's excellent. Um, and her, it was more, it was the older couple. Yeah. They kind of bugged me a bit. They, they come from, they are your traditional old school yeah. Hollywood actors, mm. if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and they are playing very quirky, over-the-top roles, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because like you yeah. said, she's almost like a cartoon when you were talking yeah. about Ruth Gordon. She is. Yeah, yeah. But then when you watch Ruth Gordon and Nathan, that's just how she acts. Mm, mm. Very, always kind of aloof, kind of scatterbrain eyes, kind of wandering around the room as she talks about them. That's just how she acts. Yeah. Um, so that's her technique. So I can't even say, well, that's a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate casting choice. But the way she's acting is just the way she acts. Mm. So... I think you are right about that. I think they do feel like an old Hollywood. It's like, once again, Lincoln movies. It's like when you watch Starry Eyes. Um, you ever seen Starry Eyes? No, I never watched Starry Eyes. There's a, there's a whole idea of old Hollywood being built on maybe, kind of, once again, Fausty Impacts with Satan and right, all the rest. Yeah. And it's done, it's, once again, it's done in this very kind of quirky weird way when you're dealing with these older Hollywood types that, that falls into that as well. So... 3.5, yeah, I can live with that, I can live with that, and you liked it, and you would watch it again. Yeah, yeah, I think I would give it a wee while, but yeah, I would watch Rosemary's Baby again, yeah. Nice, I'm, I'm happy with this. Thus far, we've not found a, this movie was pitch Duncan. No, no, absolutely not. We might find that the, the next movie's like Marmite, so we're interested to see where we'll land with that. But uh, we're going to take a break, Baz, because yep. it is midnight. Uh, we're going to take a short break. <laughs> when we come back, we will close the show and we'll do it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been... Bazaween 2019 episode number three. The Baz has reviewed Rosemary's Baby. That is three down, Baz, two to go. The quality is maybe not getting better, but it's certainly sticking around the same, so you must be enjoying yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I think certainly the three that we've done have all deserved the kind of classic status nice. that has been uh, the, kind of the theme this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether or not next week's is going to deserve classic status, I don't know. It's going to go off the rails. So. Uh, maybe for different reasons, but yeah. Um, all three films I'm very pleased to have watched now, kind of mm-hmm. ticked off my my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying them. I'm enjoying them. Excellent, excellent. For those keeping score out there as well, next week uh, we will be doing Wes Craven's Last House on the Left. Uh, which is a loose remake of um, uh, Virgin Suicides. That rings a bell, probably not. Um, but yeah, as uh, and Wes Craven's first proper feature-length horror movie off the back of his softcore outing, uh, softcore porn. Nice. He was also a teacher. Wesley. 
English teacher. <laughs> uh, as well, he was like, oh, let's just do something smart. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing that next week. There is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed, and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. Also, check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can visit our website, it's tputtscast.com, and if you want to buy posters or pins, you can do it by going to tputtscast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook. You can interact with other listeners on the group page. To chat about horror and the show it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast alternatively maybe you'll want to know when the shows are dropping or occasionally check out a live stream or a Thursday Thursday you can do that by going to facebook.com forward slash group no facebook.com forward slash tputzcast no groups in that one Baz was waiting to see if I tripped up and I tripped up tripped up I do it every week as well I do it fine then you're here and I fuck it up I fuck it in the <laughs> ass uh, Satan's fingers in my ring. Um, <laughs> fucking my mouth like a puppet. Um, you can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sections, Instagram and Twitter Baz. What, what's, the, what, what's the deal with that? The, the handle is at tputzcast on both of those platforms. And you can also check us out in the Flick Chat app at social media for podcasts and listeners alike. You can listen to the show directly through that app and interact with us on a series of message boards. Uh, the message boards are up there currently for every individual episode of this series of Bazoween. We're posting all manner of stuff to do with the 31 of October, as well as individual threads for the main shows that we're doing. It's free on Android and iOS, and the joint code, once you've created just have a profile, it's just simply Cast. They shortened it for me because the other one was too long. Podcast on the stairs too long. Cast. Uniform across everything there. Nice. Nice folk over there. Yeah, please check us out on that. The podcast under the stairs will return with other things this week, but the Baz will return a week today where we do Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. Baz, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Certainly shall. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Um, I will see you all next week when I will be getting my rape on. Oh, no. JK, hashtag know me. <laughs> hashtag know me. <laughs> And from me, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. You might be living next door to Satanists. My name is Duncan McLeish, and uh, I am signing off. Bye, everyone.